0: And I really look forward to seeing you there. That web address one last time slash AMA. Support for this podcast comes from Carafi. If you're an in house talent acquisition professional hoping to step into a more senior role, the Talent Ed growth program by Carafi will accelerate that process. You'll learn how to scientifically measure the performance of your TA function, and walk away with knowledge, confidence and templates to transform the way your business and line management view you. You'll have a more strategic view of TA, increasing your value and ensuring you're first in line for a promotion. And if you're already a senior in-house TA leader, Talent Ed is a fantastic way to upskill your TA team to become more strategic and proactive they'll be able to pick up more of what you do, so you'll have more time to focus on the parts of your role that you really enjoy. And it's a fantastic way to show your commitment to their learning and development, equipping them for promotions into more senior roles. Book your free 20-minute taster session and find out if Talented is right for you and or your team at get-talented.com com. That's get talented.com. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine and in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 496. Of the Recruiting Future podcast. I always find it encouraging to see many employers focusing on social mobility to diversify their workforces. However, much more needs doing, and some seismic shifts are required to broaden the narrow definition of talent many industries use to recruit. My guest this week is Phoebe Anderson, Executive Director at Atlas Fellows. Atlas is a not-for-profit organisation with the goal of transforming the finance industry by opening doors for under-resourced young people to access life-changing careers. Phoebe advocates for changing entrenched recruiting practices and challenging the narrow definition of talent endemic in the finance industry. Hi Phoebe and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi Matt, thanks for having me.
0: An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do?
1: Sure. I'm Phoebe Anderson, the executive director of a nonprofit organization called Atlas Fellows. Our mission is to open doors for brilliant and under resourced young people to access life changing careers in finance. And we do that through what we call our four ships scholarship, internship, mentorship and membership.
0: Fantastic stuff and very keen to dive into that and find out a lot more about what you do because it's a really really interesting area. Before we do though just give us a little bit of background on yourself. How did you get to to do what you do now?
1: Well I started my career as a middle school teacher in Chicago's Auburn-Gresham neighborhood and while I was teaching I observed There was a really stark difference in the resources and opportunities that were available to my students. Oftentimes, we didn't have up-to-date textbooks. Many came from households where parents were working multiple jobs and couldn't take active roles in academic enrichment. And there were just a number of circumstances that did not put these young people on equal footing. The other thing that I observed, though, was that they were really smart, resourceful, and eager to learn and succeed. So this put me on a path of working at nonprofit organizations to ensure that all students had opportunities to succeed. And within education, we have a saying that a student's zip code shouldn't dictate their life trajectory. And I really believe that. And so leading Atlas provides me with the opportunity to innovate upon some of those ideas and introduce them to the finance sector. So now I like to say that my job is to open doors for students from any zip code to pursue a career in finance.
0: You, you mentioned at the start some, some of the things that Atlas Fellows does. Talk us through it in a bit more detail. Who, who do you work with and how do you work with them?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with who we work with. Atlas recruits and admits students who come from a demographic that's underrepresented in finance, so oftentimes women, Black young people, Latino, LGBTQ+, and or young people who come from an under-resourced background. So a first-generation college student, somebody who's receiving free or reduced lunch, um, or is Pell eligible. And like I mentioned earlier, we, we, we work with them and we give them what we call our four ships, scholarship, internship, mentorship, and membership. And we think through the combination of these things, we're really helping to develop them and prepare them for a career in finance. College can be exceptionally expensive and many of our fellows are deciding whether or not they can afford it. Our scholarship program offers $20,000 a year up to four years, so it really allows our young people to go to college and obtain a degree. We guarantee four summers of paid internships, which we think helps our fellows develop the professional acumen expertise network to obtain a career in finance upon graduation. We match them with mentors every summer because we know that those deep personal connections where you can learn and grow from experts in the field is incredibly important. And we also talk about membership to our Atlas community. You know, For many of our fellows, there's a lot of social emotional challenges to entering a career in finance. And so we work really hard to build a sense of trust and support among our fellows so they can navigate those challenges together and hopefully in the long run become one another's professional network.
0: You sort of touched on there some of the barriers that these groups of young people have stand between them and a career in in finance. Can you sort of break that down for us a little bit more in terms of why it's so difficult to start a career in that area?
1: Yeah, so I think of those barriers in three categories. Um, The cost of higher education. Uh, The social capital needed to navigate this profession combined with the accelerated state of recruitment within finance and then the social emotional barriers. So in terms of college, it's incredibly expensive. And I think a lot of young people are deterred from post-secondary education because of the cost. And to enter finance, you know, an undergraduate degree is a requirement. In terms of the social capital needed to navigate This profession, you know, if you don't grow up having dinner table conversations about the business lunch your mom went to, or the golf outing your dad participated in, or you don't have someone to help you put together a resume, if you don't understand you must go to a career fair, you're just at an inherent disadvantage. It doesn't mean you're any less smart or talented, but what often ends up happening is that by the time young people like those served by Atlas realize they need to be doing these things, it's often too late simply because of the incredibly accelerated financial recruitment process. And in terms of the social emotional impact, you know, many of our fellows are women or they're non-white and they're walking into places where there's not often a lot of people who look like them. Sometimes that inherently sends a message, whether it's the right message or not, but people can think, I don't belong here. And so what does that do to a person's impression of their self-worth? It sometimes can cause imposter syndrome. And so when you think of all those things combined, it can be really hard for underrepresented or under-resourced youth to navigate these things
0: and in terms of the employers that they that they they work with you know you mentioned there walking into places and feeling that there's no one like you there not having that kind of family background or all those kind of things how do you work with the employers or what do the employers need to do to foster a more inclusive environment
1: i think we need to shift our mindset about talent i've really come to reject the notion that there's a war for talent. You know, I I hear this all the time. And I've spent the last two summers surrounded by fellows who are truly some of the most smartest, most hardworking young people I've ever met. So I think we need to shift from thinking about talent starting with the hiring process to much earlier in terms of coaching and developing talent. Because if students feel supported and like they're valued, I think they'll feel much more welcome in the workplace. The other thing I would say is shifting our definition of talent. So I've observed that people have different definitions. And I think when people are hiring or talking about bringing talent into the financial sector, they're evaluating a series of things. Some of those things are skills and knowledge, which I define as ideas or concepts that can be taught. We see a lot of these things prioritized in finance. Does this person have exceptional Excel skills? Do they have an understanding of current events and how the markets are reacting? And these are all teachable things, but they're not always concepts that underrepresented or under-resourced populations, the very type of young people Atlas serves, understand they're supposed to master in order to be competitive in this profession. There's another set of traits and characteristics, and when I use the word talent, this is what I mean, that are important to success in the finance industry, but not always teachable. Things like work ethic, intellectual curiosity, achievement orientation. And our fellows have these in spades. Many of them were the valedictorians of their high school classes while working part-time jobs to support their families, taking on many household duties. But you can start to see That if people are prioritizing skills and knowledge during the hiring process, they might be missing out on a significant portion of incredibly talented young people and sending signals about what's valued and important in this industry that young people aren't always bringing to the table. That doesn't mean they're any less talented, but it's a virtue signaling that some of our fellows might not pick up on.
0: A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. Winolo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over a 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www dot w o n o l o dot com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. I think the interesting thing as well is that diversity, equity, inclusion, social mobility have been huge topics over the last few years amongst, you know, employers of of all types. But I think what you're really highlighting here is the fact that it's it's longer term commitments and longer term programs that really improve the situation, not perhaps some of the short term fixes that, that some, not all, but some employers look to.
1: That's exactly right. And let me tell you a story that really illustrates that point. So Jonathan Hahn is one of our Atlas fellows. He's a first-generation college student. He applied to Atlas because he had heard Ken Melman speak on a panel and was intrigued about a career in finance. And it was just this one instance where he heard someone speak and was curious about what this career path might entail. Was it for him? When we admitted Jonathan to our program, we saw someone with a lot of agency, a lot of raw talent but not a lot of industry knowledge or experience. When he started his internship last summer at Baliazni Asset Management, he could not tell you what a hedge fund was. Fast forward seven weeks later to the end of his internship, he was asked to stay on part-time through the school year. He now works closely with his PM. He attends earning calls, he updates financial models. He was given an opportunity last summer and he seized it. And because of this, He's now well positioned for a future in this industry I have no doubt that he will be an extremely competitive candidate but it took starting earlier and a little bit more of a long-term investment to get him there
0: and sort of working working through this process working with the, the young people working with the employers you know you've obviously got a very strong vision and and personal mission there. But what surprised you the most in terms of the, the work that you've been doing?
1: I think there's a few things that have surprised me. You know, I think, again, I think we're really just starting to scratch the surface when it comes to talent. I've never walked into a school and not found a group of curious young people. And so when we talk about this war for talent, it implies that talent is finite. And I reject that notion. I also think, again, reconceptualizing our definitions of talent is important if we truly want to recruit different types of experiences and perspectives. And the other thing that's really surprised me is I've observed sometimes there's a discrepancy between how the finance industry approaches its work and how it approaches recruiting talent. So I oftentimes hear words like long-term investment going long risk when it comes to people describing their work within finance. But I don't always see those principles applied to recruiting young talent.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a a fantastic point in terms of I suppose somewhere where the, the the DNA of that industry isn't actually reflected in in the way that it, it recruits people or even the way that it thinks about talent. I suppose just sort of picking up on that. Lots of people listening will be working for employers who want to increase the diversity of their workforce, they they they're looking to support social mobility, they are starting to think differently about talent and perhaps realize some of the, you know, the implications of that. What would your advice be to those employers, the employers who, who want to do something differently and are kind of starting out on this journey?
1: Well, first, I'd say it's well worth the investment. You know, a 2020 analysis by McKinsey found companies with more gender, ethnic and racial diversity were more likely to have higher financial returns. And you can find very specific examples of that in any industry that you look to. I also think it's, it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because this is what Gen Z is looking for. They are prioritizing diversity more than any other generation. And so the more diverse we can make our workplaces, the more likely we will be to recruit talent. But I'd also say that I think people need to think more broadly about hiring and be realistic about what they can do and want to do within that realm. So oftentimes when I hear people talk about the talent cycle, they start the conversation with hiring, but I don't think that's the first part. I think if we're really committed to hiring incredibly smart and diverse people, that process actually begins much earlier with development and recruitment, opening doors, creating access to opportunities. And that requires a really robust infrastructure, resources to cast a wide net, And there's a lot of differences between the generation of this current workforce and Gen Z. So being able to deeply understand the experiences and motivations of the new generation will make companies more effective, not just at recruitment and hiring, but long-term retention. But that's a lot of work. And so I'd encourage people to be realistic about what they can develop and, and whether they want to develop those things. And for those that don't have the resources or aren't interested, I would say, call us. Atlas would be thrilled to work with you.
0: And final question: What does the future look like for Atlas? What are your what are your sort of plans for the next um, the next two or three years?
1: Well, we just opened our application cycle for our new group of fellows. We'll be admitting up to thirty this summer. And we have ambitious growth plans. You know, we like to say that our vision is changing the face of finance. And so we hope to recruit increasing numbers of fellows every year and recruit recruit increasing numbers of corporate partners who want to work with us to achieve that mission.
0: Phoebe, thank you very much for talking to me.
1: My pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: My thanks to Phoebe. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at RecruitingFuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me.
1: This is my show.